0: Our scripture reading for today, as we continue to look together at the book of James, is again the passage James chapter three, verse one through verse twelve. I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, to look and to read along as I read aloud from God's Word. <clears throat> Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers. Because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Let us pray. Dear Lord, as we look at your word, we ask that you would use it to bring that blessing into our hearts which you promise. When your word is examined, when your word is read and heard, We ask that you would bring blessing into each one of our hearts, Lord, through the power of your Holy Spirit, which is mightier than any power. We ask you to accomplish this. We submit ourselves to your work. And I ask, Lord, as I seek to proclaim your word clearly, that what I say is faithful to your word, because your word is holy. As we look at this passage, Lord, we realize that there are so many dangers in our lives. We ask that you would cause us to see the dangers and to recognize that you are the one who provides safety from those dangers. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, this past week, as we first began to look at this passage... I emphasize the first two verses in particular, which deal with teaching. The danger in teaching, the importance of teaching faithfully, clearly, and accurately, because of that little phrase in there, we who teach will be judged more strictly. As we look at this passage, we realize that this is not a light message, (laughs) This is not a happy-go-lucky, encouraging sort of message for us to take and swallow with dessert. But instead, it's a very heavy message. You think of all the love-one-another commands throughout Scripture. Be a blessing to one another, that's not one of them, but that's a summary of many of the commands throughout Scripture. They are encouraging words, they lift you up. This passage here, on the other hand, says watch it, folks. This is serious business. And if you don't watch it, you're going to stumble and fall into a great big pit. Now, I can't use Randy Oginen's great big pit anymore to use as an example of a great big pit, because I understand he's pretty much got it filled up. He had a sinkhole in his backyard that was nine feet deep and 15 feet across. But the great big pit this is talking about here is a pit that is literally spoken of in Scripture. We see references in our passage to hell. Deadly poison. So what we are reading about and looking at in our passage, we must understand, is not something light, but instead something that we must take to heart. It's not a say, do better. That's not what this passage is saying, do better. This passage is pointing to us and saying... You each need to examine yourselves and watch your tongue because you are very likely to stumble and to make some serious errors that will have consequences for yourselves and for others. This is a warning and a severe one at that. One of the things that we pride ourselves on in this country is freedom of speech. But I think we all recognize as we go through our daily lives that while freedom of speech is a very great blessing, it is also a great curse. Because as we are told in this passage, the tongue is a very dangerous instrument, tool, whatever you want to call it, that is is able to walk into the wrong places, to say the wrong things. Many people get hurt by the use of the tongue. So freedom of speech on the one, one hand abuse of freedom of speech on the other hand and that is what this passage is telling us about as we talk about watching what we say we frequently refer to watching our P's and Q's now I'm not much in favor of alliteration but I'm gonna make a little venture into the art of watching our P's with regard to the tongue this morning And I promise you I didn't get out my thesaurus and spend all week looking at it to find what kind of peas could be addressed to the subject of the tongue. Can you remember a time this last week when you got caught in a forest fire of the tongue? Can you remember a time this last week when you said something and you thought about it afterwards and you realized that was a mistake. What this passage is telling us is if neither one of those comments fit you, then really you are a perfect person. You are able to keep your whole body in check. One or the other, if not both of those comments, must fit each one of us, or else we're not paying any attention. And that's probably an even worse problem. If you or I cannot think of a time when we said something that we shouldn't have said this past week, then the message of our passage is either we can't think, which is a possibility, or we aren't thinking. We're too deadened to think. What do we see in our passage about the tongue? we see the patient of the tongue. Of all of the parts of the body, it is the one that most easily gets out of control and flies off the handle. I remember Sandy telling me about <clears throat> watching some sort of... She was in court a couple months ago to witness in a, in a situation that was there, and she got to sit there all day And so she saw all of these court cases that came before the judge. And one of them that she felt was interesting enough to bring to my attention was the case of these two men who got into court for no other reason than that they couldn't control the tongues. One of them said something to the other one. The other said something back. And then the debate in the court was over... Did this one try to run the other one over with his truck, or did the other one try to kick the truck first? <laughs> now, we all know situations like this. Maybe they don't ever get to the point where someone's being run over with a truck. But all of these situations have something in common. What they have in common is they start out with a patient at tongue. How many of you have played an instrument, uh, say a woodwind instrument? How many of you have played a woodwind instrument? Have you learned double tonguing or triple tonguing? When you hear performances by orchestras and you hear the brass section or anybody in the woodwind section start moving along, playing those notes so fast you can't even count them, you realize just how glib the tongue is. You can start talking, or or if you hear someone from New York, you can realize how fast the tongue is. (laughs) You can speak so quickly. You can do some things so quickly with your tongue. You can't possibly ever take it back. Once it's gone, it's gone. The tongue is full of patience. As we are told in verse 2, It is the instrument, it is the part of the body that most easily gets out of control. We are told in verse 8, the latter part of it, it's a restless evil full of deadly poison. We read in our passage of the power of the tongue. It has a mighty influence. There are comparisons that are given to us in our passage. The first one is that the tongue is like a bit in the mouth of a horse. And you picture a powerful horse an animal that has great strength and all it takes is a shift of that bit, and that horse moves in that direction all it takes on a great ship is a slight movement of the rudder and the ship is going in a different direction it does not matter where the wind is pushing the ship back in the ancient days of course ships were moved by wind rather than engines it doesn't matter if the winds are blowing them this way, if the rudder moves, the ship will turn against the wind. <clears throat> the tongue is like a bit in the mouth of a horse, like a rudder on a ship. It has great power. And as we realize the power of the tongue, we go to the paradox of the tongue. The tongue is extremely small. But what do we find the tongue doing? Constantly making great boasts, small part of the body making great boasts. And not only does the tongue as a small part of the body make b- great boasts, but it speaks for the whole body. I can jump over that. <laughs> Uh-oh. Well, can you? The grand piano? Sure. Your tongue can say it, but can your body do it? We've, uh, <clears throat> I've been playing basketball every other week. And it's amazing the things that you think you can do and will say you can do. And your body spends the next couple of days telling you, not so fast. Not so fast. Don't start telling me what I can do when you haven't the foggiest idea what I'm capable of. And so the tongue is small, but it makes great boasts and it speaks for the whole body. It's small, yet If I want to take my hand and place it down on top of that book and not touch the book, I can do it. If I want to walk down the aisle in a straight line, I can do it. My whole body can walk down the aisle in a straight line. If I want to think about a math problem, I can do it. If I want to read a 1,000-page book, I can do it. But the tongue is so small, I can't control it. I can't make it only say what is right to say. Keep it from saying bad things and make it only say good things. A paradox. How come it's so small and yet I can control every other part of my body much more easily than my tongue? And the other paradox that is given in our passage is found in verses 9 and 10. From the tongue, don't just issue forth great Promising, encouraging words but instead from the tongue come forth both praise and cursing it's a paradox out of the same part of the body you say good things out of the same part of the body you say bad things that should never have been said what about those bad things so we look at the pollution of the tongue the tongue is capable of and full of great evil in verse 6 we read this The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. What sorts of things does the tongue do? Gossip? We've already seen one thing that the tongue does, boastful talk? Speaking where we know nothing? Or... For instance, in the example of teaching, which we addressed this past week. Speaking, proclaiming that we are following God's word and giving our own opinions instead of God's word. Being critical, being insensitive, being inconsiderate. This, you understand, is in the context of the church. And as you look at churches in this area and in areas throughout the world... You realize the deadly peril that is found in the tongue. Because p- person after person has experienced a situation where a church has blown up or they have had serious problems in a church because of the improper use of the tongue. This happens in jobs, this happens in homes, and we find that the pollution of the tongue is the greatest danger because the pollution is invasive. It hits everything, it gets everywhere. As long as the person has an ear to hear what you say or eyes to read what you say, if they can't hear then they can maybe read your lips. As long as they can see what you're saying or hear it, it invades and it has its effect. This past week I spoke of being in a theater when someone said fire. That is an example of the invasive effect of the tongue. When you speak something and people hear it, it goes into their minds and they start processing it. Those digital computers in mind start thinking about this and saying, Now, what does that mean? Now, did he mean, was he specifically talking to me at that point? Am I? I, Did he say that because he was thinking about me? Now, And our minds start going. And so the pollution of the tongue is something that gets in there, and it pollutes the whole thing, and it ruins the whole thing. And we see that that is a reason for which many marriages are destroyed, many churches, work situations, home situations, many things are destroyed. Because the tongue has a great effect of polluting what it touches. Now, obviously, this is not speaking of the good effects of the tongue. But this is speaking, as our passage is speaking, of the negative effects of the tongue. When the tongue is used wrongly. We read in our passage in verse 6 that the tongue in its pollution effect has the ability of corrupting the whole person and it has ability to ruin and destroy the whole life. You think about that. If you lose your hand, is your life ruined? No. If your tongue gets carried away and makes a habit of it, is your life ruined? Yes. This is the message of our passage. This is why it is so crucially important for us to realize that the control of our tongues is something. As we read in our passage, people have tamed great animals. They have accomplished some of the most amazing feats. That is what James is telling us. People have mastered things you never would have thought were possible. But when it comes to taming the tongue, it cannot be done. And yet people work on these goals, these great and glorious goals. And don't concern themselves about what their tongue is flattering away saying. Why would you work on great goals? When whether you succeed or not doesn't make a great deal of difference, But if you work on your tongue, and work on controlling it and putting it to the purposes that God has it for, then it matters eternally. <clears throat> so the tongue has a terrible power of polluting. We read that the, t- the power of the tongue is not only harmful, it is deadly is deadly. Now I, I did, did a small excursion into homes, workplaces, churches, etc. that are that are damaged and destroyed by the tongue. Why do these things happen? Why do people say these things? Why do people gossip? Why do they speak ill of others when the others are not present? Why do they speak ill for no reason of others when others are present? Why do they tell lies? I should stop saying they, shouldn't I? That's the message of this passage. It's a we thing. It is a we thing. We all have got a problem with this. And God wants to point this out to us to say, be on your guard. For you can ruin your life by what you say. You can ruin your life by what you say. You can ruin your eternity by what you say. Now, I'm not taking the part of the soul, mind, and the heart out of this whole thing. But the tongue is the one that flatters away saying all these things. How many times have you had a strained relationship because you said the wrong thing? I can think of, I mean, the times are endless in my marriage. Where I've said the wrong thing. I said the wrong thing. I couldn't keep my mouth shut. I thought I had to say it. I thought I had a right to say it. I thought I was bound to say it. And I was bound to say it. Unfortunately, the reason for that was because I wasn't controlling my tongue. How many times have we had friendships that have been damaged by the fact that we couldn't keep our mouth shut? We had to say something that was negative. How many friendships have been damaged because we said something to someone else behind someone's back and it had a funny way of (laughs) doing what always happens in those circumstances it got back to them it always seems like there's a direct channel, you say something to someone and you say, uh oh I didn't want so and so to hear that and before you know (laughs) bamboo. I might as well have just said it to that person This kind of thing is so important in the church Because in the church we have a common mindset Our mindset in the church is to say What does God want? If that's what he wants Then that is what we all need to do So we can get together And we can say as a group We are here to worship God Our purpose is to do what he wants us to do Our purpose is to follow God's word and as we look at the tongue, then we can get together and say, yes, this is our common goal. If, if, if worshiping God and glorifying Him means that I must control my tongue, then yes, that is my purpose. And yet what happens when we go forth? We have a hard time remembering that, that that's our purpose. And we get in situations where someone says something nasty to us. And I realize that something that has happened to me as I've gotten older is whereas before, when I was younger, i keep my mouth shut. I had the sense to keep my mouth shut in situations. When I get older, I think, well, you oughtn't to be saying that to me, blah, blah, back. Don't we do that? And that's where the problem comes in. Why? Because our pride gets caught up. And our tongue starts speaking for our whole body again. Well, I don't like you saying that to me. Or, do you want to know what so-and-so did to me? I'll tell you. And when these things start going and our tongues just start flapping away so easily, by the time we're done talking, we say, If we have any sense in our minds, we say that, that is. When you don't have any sense is when you don't say it. (laughs) We have to realize the message from our passage is this, that there are principles that are given to us in guiding what we say in determining whether or not it's appropriate. I'd like to give several principles, some of them specifically not coming from this passage. One of the first that you can't ignore is Ephesians 4.15, Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head, that is Christ. Speaking the truth in love. I guess that points us to what is the motive for why I'm saying what I'm saying. Why am I saying it? Do I have to say it? Or is it because I think someone's stepping on me and I'm going to say it by George? Or I'm in a circumstance where people are making me look bad and I need to defend myself. (coughs) Or I don't like someone. That's a simple reason. I don't like someone. And so if I just repeat several things that they've done and put them in the right juxtaposition side by side like that, then people are going to say along with me, Oh, yeah, he's weird. (laughs) And then I feel good because now they're on my side as against someone else's side. Speaking the truth in love. Now, there's some people who think that the only thing this passage says is speaking the truth. Have you ever known a person or been a person who felt that you had to say everything that came into your mind? Example that's always given is someone's got a new haircut. Do you like my new haircut? Though no, it looks terrible. <laughs> Sarah got a new haircut today. She doesn't care. She couldn't care less whether you told her her haircut looked terrible or great. <laughs> but when you grow older, you start to care about these sorts of things some people really don't care I remember my brothers when they got haircuts when they were in their teenage years if it didn't just go right they were bawling I was like who cares I'm still there (laughs) any old which way is fine with me but if someone asks you do they like do you like their new hair well the principle here isn't speaking the truth maybe you can think now what can I say in love motive for this is to build someone up. You don't want to lie to them. We won't go into that. (laughs) If they ask you how their hair looks. But the purpose here is that we are to speak the truth and we are to couple it with a motive which is in love. That means we don't start telling people everything we think. If we think they're making a mistake on an issue that is not of biblical significance, who cares? If I think that someone chose the wrong color for the for their car, for their carpet, or for their who knows what? Do I need to say that? No, unless I want to think make them think I'm smarter than they are. That's not love. That's smarterness or something like that. Speaking the truth in smarterness. No, speaking the truth in love. What is best designed to encourage that other person and not to mislead them in a the wrong direction because that's where the truth comes in. We're in a culture, in a world today in which we say, well, there is really no such thing as the truth. It depends on what you think is what truth is. But no, that's not the message of Scripture. When we speak, we need to speak the truth and we need to couple it with the motive that is guiding it in love. <coughs> Oftentimes, this will mean that in serious, significant biblical issues, we will say the things that people do not like to hear. That's the point. And that's the message from teaching this past week. <clears throat> Speaking the truth in love sometimes requires us to keep our mouth shut when we have a negative answer, and sometimes it requires us to speak when we have a negative answer, because the issue is of biblical significance. <clears throat> Another one. My parents always used to say, let the absent one be safe among us. This is, all of these are sort of applications of the golden rule. Do you want to know that other people are talking about you negatively behind your back? This is a very uncomfortable feeling. One of my least pleasant experiences as a kid in high school was to go into this fort where a friend of mine was with his friends and to walk in and hear him saying that I was weird. (laughs) Well, I didn't walk in. I was getting ready to walk in. And of course, when I heard that, I turned around and walked out back out the other way. And that's why I've been wearing earplugs ever since. (laughs) Let the absent one be safe among us. Do you need to say it about the person? In some situations, when you're giving a recommendation or something like that, you have to say, there is a problem. But if you're talking in general, general conversation, it is not necessary, it should not be done. <clears throat> if you cannot say something good, don't say anything at all. <laughs> Everyone's heard that comment. <clears throat> this does not mean to prevent us from doing what Scripture commands, which is exposing evil. But instead, this should prevent careless and uncaring harm to others. We start out using our tongue so glibly that we get to the point where we don't care what we say and we don't think of its effect on others. I've been reading a book lately that talks about how many teenagers involved in violent crimes have absolutely no care about it. They don't think about it. They have no compassion for the person they killed. They have no concern for the situation. It's just like, Oh, yeah, I knocked him off. Yeah. Yeah, well, you know, it was just uh, about eight shots. You know, just bang, 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 bang. That was it. We do the same thing with our tongues. When we get on a roll, and the older we get, the more freely we are able to use our tongues. If you can't say something good, don't say it at all. Think about the effect of what you say. And... I think this one applies too. There's a children's song that goes, Be careful little ears what you hear. This turns it on the other side. You and I need to make sure we do not put ourselves in situations where we are hearing things that are wrong. Oftentimes I hear people talking about how they do not like friends or neighbors or co-workers using Jesus' name in vain, using foul language and all these sorts of things. Gossip is a situation similar to this Speaking evil of others Bearing false witness, telling lies We should not put ourselves in situations Where we are allowing other people's tongues to flap And our ears are soaking it up Because that is encouraging their tongues to do the evil The deadly evil that this passage is speaking about And finally, people who are valuable for guiding the tongue People who are valuable for guiding the tongue are people who help me control my tongue. Now, the first, this is getting to a personal application. The first person on my list of people who help me control my tongue is my wife. And it should be that way. The person who is closest to you should feel free to say to you, and you need to create that condition where the person is free to say to you, you shouldn't have said that, you shouldn't have said that where you don't say, oh, yes, I should have. I had every right to. And don't tell me that again. Say that enough times. And you'll find yourself being the one who drives friends apart. And creates stress in situations. And no one wants to be around. Because your tongue is a deadly poison under the control of hell. That's the bottom line. Others who help me control my tongue. People who demonstrate considerate and compassionate speech towards others. There's some people I know, and I'm sure there's some you know as well, who have a way of not saying a whole lot. When they say something, they say something that's important and valuable. And when they don't speak are those times when you couldn't say anything good, where everybody else is saying negative things and they chose not to. And those are the people I look to. And I say... "Uh, I like to pick on people when they're absent. Randy had to go up to Nova Scotia. Randy's an example to me. I look at him, he keeps his mouth shut. And when he has something to say that's valuable, he says it, and you won't find him flapping. He is an encouragement to me because he does not use his tongue to destroy people or to destroy situations. Who else is encouraging Help in controlling the tongue. People who refuse to be caught in gossip and slander. People who refuse to be in those circumstances, but instead, if I'm in those circumstances, I see them turn around and walk away or end the conversation. You and I need to be people like that. Let us take this message about the dangers of the tongue to heart. Let's pray. Dear Lord, we ask that you would give us repentance in our heart for the evil that we have accomplished with our tongues give us a desire instead to employ our tongues in ways that glorify you and bring blessing into the lives of those around us help us to use our tongues to speak the truth in love because you are a god of love and you desire us for us to use our tongues in a way that honors your principles and honors you in jesus name amen